thinking of starting a podcast? Well, try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword, along with Locked on Cavs co-host, Chris Manning. Chris, I'm going to go to you first, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys and, and chat with you amid, uh, obviously, nothing, you know, nothing's going on in the Cavs world, <laughs> but it's, it's good to chat with you guys. Yeah, nothing <laughs> groundbreaking yet. We're still yeah. waiting on that, uh, that big news. Uh, Corey, how you doing, man? I have heart palpitations every 20 minutes, but overall, it's fine. <laughs> heart palpitations? Corey, I'm, wor- from I'm, what? Worried, I'm worried about you if you're having heart palpitations every 20 minutes. Like, call a doctor and be like, hey. <laughs> All I need is calling Sexton News in some facet, and I'm pretty sure I'll be fine. Oh, man. it's If it's, not, then there are more serious things coming ahead for me. <laughs> it might be a long off season for you then, my friend. So you might want to keep a doctor on standby. <laughs> for sure. Uh, that said, Chris, man, we've seen the Cavs make – a couple of different moves this offseason already. Um, as Corey already mentioned, nothing on the Colin Sexton front just yet. But I do want to hear your thoughts. And I know you just talked about this a bit uh, with Evan on Locked mm-hmm. On. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the Hal Neto and Robin Lopez additions and what that can mean and when adding two veterans like that to such a young core. Yeah, I think it just makes a lot of logical sense. Like, I'm, I mean, I think. I think if you looked at the end of last year, it was like Jared Allen goes down. They don't have Rick Rubio for half the year. Sexton obviously is out. Robin Lopez is just like going to be in a, a a very large backup center who's probably better than Moses Brown, probably better than Ed Davis, at least bigger than Ed Davis. Um, like he's seven feet, like 280, and Ed Davis was like 6'9", 218, playing the minutes at the five. That's just like hard to do with the way the Cavs play. Um, I think those guys are just really competent. And I think if you were going to do the Rubio thing, you had to do Howell Nato or like another veteran guard. Like, I don't know how you could have it's seemingly what they want out of that position. It seems like they really just had to be like, Hey, we're going to get a veteran and bring him in and try to stop guy this mission. I think these are guys that like, obviously aren't going to drive the overwhelming amount of success. The Cavs may or may not have next year, but they're like necessary veteran things at the end of your bench. And then I think like, you know, Isaiah Moby on a two way, we'll see if they maybe get a young point guard next off season or something to develop under Rubio free or like, I think there are some seeds to watch going forward with how they move on from these guys as well. That's fair to say. Yeah, I was got to say that heading into the NBA draft, uh, especially into that second round, I was wondering whether or not they would opt to try and bring in some type of presence at the backup point guard position. Um, the Ricky Rubio, you know, deal. Glad that's out of the way. Um, although it hasn't been finalized yet, uh, to my knowledge, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. But I was thinking that they would have taken a shot on a guy that could have shored up, you know, some time there uh, to kind of 
kind of really give DG a rest, but uh, it didn't pan out that way. So glad we did manage to bring in Hal Neto, especially after seeing Tyus Jones uh, and Delon Wright go off the board for much higher salaries. <laughs> so that does make me feel good. I think I'm of the mindset that we got Rubio pretty, pretty cheaply. Um, didn't really, it wasn't something that I felt bad about giving him. What was it like 6.14 over the course yeah. of those three years? Yeah, it'll, it's like 5.8 to start and then goes up, goes up from there with the last year, not fully guaranteed. Yeah. So I, I felt really good about that. And I don't know whether or not he would have been available at that price had he not been injured. Probably not. <laughs> probably, I mean, pro- I mean, the Cavs might've had to give him the Fullman level to keep him like, that's just like a realistic possibility if he doesn't get hurt and yes, his age and everything, but like it, it also feels like to me guys that I, I would, I would wonder like if we could, it's maybe always sometimes hard to know this stuff and to figure some of this out. But like, I, I wonder if this ultimately was like the best multi-year offer he got. And if like, that's part of the reason he's back to, it's like, right. Like he maybe could have, I mean, he probably could have, there was stuff last year when they got him that it was like, they might, buy him out and like teams are eyeing like there's the Warriors interest that was leaked like very early before I, f- I feel like this even even started right and like maybe like this is a way to be like look like we really are, are I, I feel like this the way they're going about bringing him back and paying him what they are is a sign that they're like hey we really value and like we can also pay you more money than like a team that's just going to let you bring hunt at this stage in your career and also like we're gonna like we, we know you're not gonna be able to play and that's that's cool with us and I think that has to be a part of this discussion really is that they kind of know that Rubio's probably not playing until we get to like January. I asked Corey this on the last episode, but I also want to get your thoughts on this. Do you think it was a tough sell to how Neto about coming in, knowing that Rubio looms? So I, I, the reporting out there, like from Fedor and some others um, and talking to people within the Cavs, like it seems like Antonio Lang has a really good relationship with him. Antonio Lang, Cavs assistant coach came from Utah. Um, I believe was coaching this. No, he's one of the He's one of like the lead assistants. Mike Gary is coaching the Summer League team. Um, I I think that there's also just like sometimes you just like will take. I feels like in the league at a certain point you just will take some of those jobs, right? Like, yes, he played a lot in Washington, but maybe like it doesn't seem like the market was going to give him like the role he wanted, and he wasn't going to get the money he wanted. And this is just like, hey, you, you're he's if he knows a coach, he has a good relationship with you're going to play and make like almost $2 million like that. I don't know. I feel like ultimately like that just kind of wins out more than like, you know, you're not going to maybe play as much you want. Certainly there's probably a competitor to him that wants to play more and will hope to play more and push for minutes and stuff. But like some, I feel like the connection maybe softens a little, at least that's what you're hoping for. And look, it's a minimum deal. Like it's your, if it goes, if it's not perfect, that that's fine. It's a minimum contract. Could you see a scenario in which they kind of up his trade value uh, by giving him those, those minutes and flipping them um, come the deadline if Rubio is ready to go? There's just no way I think you, you flip minimums just for minimums. And I, th- I think keeping that depth is going to be really important. Like Rubio might not play back to backs. Like I, I don't, I don't feel like any of us, I, and I want to know what you guys think about this. Like, I don't think any of us can like say today that we know exactly what Ricky Rubio is going to look like. I have no idea. Absolutely not. Yeah. He's coming off a second tour in ACL and he's over 30. And like, I just, you don't know. And like, even if he comes back in January and looks good, I would imagine the plan is like, let's bring him back really slow. And we also signed for multiple years. So like, we're not going to go full out on maximizing him next year. We're going to try to keep him fresh for the year after and the year after. Right. Like I, that's what I, I would just assume like this is a play for the whole year and kind of marathon, not a sprint kind of mentality. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A good insurance policy to have. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like the best thing for Rubio also is that athleticism was definitely not one of his strong suits as a point guard. So (laughs) him getting re-aggravating another knee injury, it's not like we're thinking like with in Colin's case with the meniscus, our major worry was that his athleticism, which I would argue is probably one of his main strengths, could be diminished. At least with Rubio, it's just like he was always such a technical type of player that the only like as long as his brain doesn't get affected by an injury that doesn't really diminish most of his value but like chris said like double knee and double acl tear on the same knee and 30 definitely are not positives when you're going through the pros and cons of bringing ricky rubio back (laughs) (laughs) stuff stuff my knees hurt like thinking about tearing my acl like twice honestly it's just like i'm like that's hard like i just I like we don't know like I don't think he's only done maybe like one interview and it was like in Spanish so I can't even like speak to like exactly like, <laughs> what, like we just don't know like he will be a guy that like, gave media day I'm sure like one of the more interesting like he's also always willing to like give you longer answers right uh when people like asking questions he's a guy that I just feel like there will be like a lot to ask about him immediately not just like him coming back like what was appealing about it how he's doing in his rehab but also like you know was it is it weird to come back to a team that like did just like trade your salary after you're really important to them. Like there's just yeah. like a lot of like they ended stuff up just... with both cares and Rubio. That's I know. crazy. Yeah. Co- yeah. Like Kobe, like what, if he, that, that, like he, it worked out like for whatever, like for whatever reason somehow, but like, it's just like, there's a lot about the Rubio thing that I just think is really interesting. And like their interest in him was so telegraphed. You know what I mean? It was like before French even started, it was like, okay, we, we, this is our plan. Like we would like to bring Ricky Rubio back. And certainly like, maybe they knew the DeLon Wright price was going to be high. Maybe they knew that Tyus Jones price was going to be like well out of their price range, but like it was very clear that it's like we want this thing and we want this guy and like that that was very telegraphed from like the very much beginning of, of how they approached it. Yeah, someone who I hope we get to see on media day for the Cavs is Colin Sexton. <laughs> um, overall, like how do you think this restricted free agency period has affected Colin? And do you think his camp has been viewing this like as a negative relationship between him and the Cavs based on the, a the amount of time it's taken for this deal to go through and B just seeing the deals that other teams have been signing their younger players, like Anthony Simons as an example, to a hundred million? The, the Simons one to me is, like, where I look at him just, like, like, I think Simons is, like, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Colin Sexton, like, has to look at that, and, his, and Clutch is, and he has to look at that and be like, that guy's worth, like, $8 million more a year than me? Like, are we sure about that? Like, are, are, we, are we sure? Like, I know I'm coming out of injury, but, like, are we, are we sure? Like, is that what we're saying? Like, there's just, like, some weirdness with that that I think is interesting. Um... I don't, the relationship part, I don't really like feel like I can speak to you because it's just like, I think these are like, like, it's not like Collins camp is like, obviously like has his family and like his feelings, but it's also like an agency that represents like Darius Garland and uh, a certain guy that used to play for the team and other former Cavs. And like, they're going to have an ongoing relationship with clutch. Like that's just going to be an ongoing thing where like, I think that that's just the prick. I, I just think restrictive for agency is just like, an impossible thing to have to do right now. Like DeAndre Aiden doesn't have any offer sheets either. Or do, do That's crazy to me. That is crazy to me. Yeah, and like I, there, like think even a couple of years ago, it's like like when with Chandler Parsons when he did that deal with uh to, with Dallas before he like ended up getting the the mega payday in Memphis. Like Dallas went out of its way to be like, we're gonna give you like this very player friendly contract and recruit you and make it so painful that like 
your team isn't going to match that. Like no one's doing that now anymore. And like, I think that makes it hard to be a restricted free agent. It's, it's just like a very, I think being in restricted free agency now just feels like a very different proposition than it didn't even five years ago. And then coming off injury, not knowing where he's at, all that stuff. Like, I think there's just like an unfortunate squeeze on Colin that has made this really complicated. Yeah, I feel like the tough part, especially with restricted free, for, for, oh my god, restricted free agency this year, is that um, there was not a lot of teams that had cap in the first place, and then also restricted free agency, like you said, Chris, is now kind of it feels like you're the team's just dangling the asset in front of other teams, being like, if you guys want it, you can have him, but you're gonna have to pay the price that we necessarily want, and if you don't, we're not even gonna even look at it twice. Like the Dallas, there was heavy links for Dallas for a little bit, and then it came out no less than twenty four hours later that the Cavs were not interested in any deal yeah. that Dallas could even offer. So then Dallas is like, "Why would I even bother making an offer if you're just gonna sign them up anyway?" Yeah, I mean the 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 team is doing this obviously, but there's such a personal element to this, uh, in my opinion. Like as you said, Corey, like he's seeing guys like. Uh, like Simons and Brunson uh, get paid, you know, uh, pretty pennies out of here. And he has to be wondering to himself, what the hell do I have to do to actually uh, get the recognition or at least the monetary value uh, that, that I'm looking for? So it's just crazy to me. I, I feel like really empathize with Colin just because like he was the best young guy they had for a little bit there. Darius, I think is surpassed him. That's just, and cool. When the cat, the Cavs just like have decided that they're gonna willing to pay Darius Garland a lot more money than they're willing to pay Colin Sexton. <laughs> that's just like a that's just like a fact. Like you can you like I don't know if you guys have got like some of the the comments like on Twitter and stuff that are like or like uh, I was listening to ninety two three the other day and like they had people calling in being like Colin Sexton deserves that one hundred ninety three million dollar contract, <laughs> not Darius Garland. And it's just like that's just not where we're like I think that Darius is better but also like the Cavs have clearly decided like we're giving Darius Garland this they've chosen their horse yeah yeah they like and like you can still kind of like have both there's like ways they can figure that out at least in the short term but like and like if you're born like I think I'm at the camp it's like if you told me how to pick one I would probably pick Sexton over Levert as like a more impactful player going forward I think I would lean Sexton in that and like how you manage that is its own thing but it's like I just empathize with him. He just got like squeezed in such an uncomfortable way. It's just like, like it's not exactly the same, obviously, but it's like Isaiah Thomas got like Cavs legend Isaiah Thomas. Um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah uh, got squeezed by the Celtics and didn't get paid. And then like he comes to Cleveland, doesn't get paid there, obviously, and it's he's never made the money that he probably thought he was going to make. Collins probably going to end up like not having to sign like minimum contracts going forward. Like I don't think that's where this is headed because he's much younger. The injury isn't as severe. All that stuff, but like he's just getting squeezed in a way that is just the unfortunate part of the business. It's like the really ugly side of the, of the business that he's just getting like, like pushed in this direction that is not going to let him maybe maximize what he's probably worth in a situation. And the Cavs also didn't sign up to like, just give him $20 million last summer either. Like it's just been this whole build to where we're at right now. It's so shitty, um, you know, that he has to go for that. But it is, you know, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to look at it that way, especially from the general management standpoint. But from Colin's standpoint, if you were to entertain signing the qualifying offer uh, and enter unrestricted free agency next season, what do you think it would actually take him oh to God. have to do um, to to be compensated in the way that which that he is reportedly wanting? Can I flip that on you guys for a second? Like, sure. Like, I, I want to know before I, I need to like. I just can't imagine – I just personally can't imagine a scenario where that, like, 
happens like that just breaks like he's obviously not like that was like the zion fear for a while with new orleans right it was like he's just gonna take the qualifying hit free and see get out of here he's not that in that situation and at that level and viewed that way but like that just feels like such a crazy thing to me it's a large gamble for sure yeah and like so i is there a way is there a world where like you guys like if you were him that you would feel like i you're just gonna do this at a certain point I think just based upon the stories that we've seen, you know, being reported out there, being offered, I think, what was it, 12 to 15 mil um, is is a lot of what along the lines of what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Jake Fisher had it as like very similar, to like the Jordan Clarkson contract was their initial offer, which is like three and 51 to like 17 per. That's not terrible um, because you could still at his age, you could get that money to get the guaranteed money there. You know, you have some type of insurance just in case some unfortunate injury happens and hit unrestricted free agency in your prime, um, in your physical prime. So you could certainly go that route. Uh, But to answer your question, I think the longer this plays out, I certainly think as he sees, you know, as he's seen these guys get paid, it's a possibility. Uh, If you're saying, you know what, man, effort i'm just going to go ahead and bet on myself sign the qualifying offer and try and put up the best season that i that i can within the confines of this offense and that's like the other thing to this like what is what is his role what does his fit look like this season um now that you have these additional pieces so what is colin sexton's best game look like on this team so that's a large gamble for him to take but i still certainly think it's possible um, if things continue to go along the lines they are, you know, clutch aims to get their guys paid, but there is a fine line that the team has to stray um, and, and tiptoe on there to do what's best for the team. You know, I think the thing with Colin Sexton, that's like, I guess if you were in his mindset, the side that would make him want to try to go, just take the qualifying offer and go is that the major reason that Colin Sexton isn't going to get the money he wants is because of this meniscus injury. But when you take away that injury, he has been one of the more durable players on the Cavs throughout his tenure of being on the team. And he's performed increasingly better every single year. He's been a Cavalier minus his 11 game start to last year, which has a bunch of asterisks to why you could point out why he got off to such a slow start. So I would think in his mind, if he thinks he can come back and play around the same amount of games he played in his first three years on the team, I think he you he can make an argument to himself that a team is going to pro- could pay me more than I'm getting paid right now but you also don't know if this injury is necessarily the one that could start the, the start yeah yeah because like I mean Derrick Rose is an example of just like all it took was one and then it just all started crumbling down from there I mean, Colin Sexton didn't come in with like the Steph Curry injury history where you were constantly worried he was going to get hurt the entire time either. So can I confess that to that to Steph's? I really thought Steph was not going to amount to anything just based (laughs) purely upon those ankle injuries. I really thought that he would have a short lived career. I think when you just don't have that medical flag with Sexton, I could see like him just like thinking to himself because he's a very motivated guy. I think he believes in himself more than anyone else like in the world pretty much. Yeah. So if he th- if anyone would think that I can do this and just rebound my value off of a unlucky injury, I think Sexton would be the person that could do it. The thing that I think is just I think clouds all of us and like I'm sure I th- I'm sure this factors into I, I know this factors in how the Cubs think about it. Is is the eleven games you mentioned? Like, I don't know what to do with any of that. I just, I just, I just, I throw my hands up, and I'm just like, you could convince me like he needed time to figure it out. You could convince me like he was starting to figure it out. You could convince me like 
it wasn't like I, you could convince me of a ton of different things, but I don't feel like any of the arguments are like even that persuasive. It's just like a very. And that's why I asked, like, what what is his, what would his optimal role have been last season? Like, what does a perfect Colin Sexton season look like? Even last season, like knowing that they want to feature Garland a little bit more, knowing that Rubio is looking like he's closing out games. Yeah. Uh, what is a perfect role for Colin Sexton moving forward? Not, you know, these are all things that factor into how much you're willing to pay him. So yeah. I don't even know, like if he would have had a great season this year, if the, if, if the Cavs would have been willing to shell out and get into max territory yeah. or get into um, uh, luxury tax territory. Yeah, I, I think the two things for me that I would say like would make the fit like cleaner and like could I think would also differentiate him from Levert a little bit in an important way would be number one, uh three point shooting and a volume, right? Like I like he's he can shoot the three, like that is a thing he's now done. Like last year it wasn't good, but like I kind of just wonder if that was a, a weird eleven game blip. He also had like that uh January in his third season where like he just couldn't shoot for a month. Like it was just this weird like thing where he just like, go to NBA.com, look at their stats page, and look at January of 2020, 2021. Colin, I think, was at, like, 20% from three. It was something just, like, absurd for the whole month, and mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense. But then he figured it out, and it was fine. And, like, I don't know if it's, like, a comfort thing with him for shooting from three, but, like, I think the volume for him, wherever he goes, or whatever he's going to do, that volume has to get turned up. I think it's just going to be an important thing, and particularly catch-and-shoot ones. And then I think, secondly, I think cutting. I think he's an underrated cutter. Um, he's very, if, if the explosiveness is there in the way that it was pre-injury, that's a way he can really, I think, make an impact. He's very quick. He's, he's powerful as an athlete at, even at his size at six, one, like there's a lot to like, if you can push him in that direction. And if he's willing to get pushed in that direction, if he's comfortable doing it, that that's part of this too. Like, does he want to play on ball? Does he want to run a ton of pick and roll or is he willing to do some of the other stuff that would build in some versatility with him. And I think that's where he was going last year before the injury. And then it just, obviously we, we, we don't, we don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead. You go back. Oh, okay. Uh, so the thing that was interesting about what you said about the volume is that I remember there was the point around that San Antonio game in, I think, two years ago with Darius and Colin where JB pretty much came out and said like, Hey, like these guys need to ramp up their three point shooting an extreme amount because they're they're both effective shooters they just were both gun shy pretty much it felt like for large spurts of their time together and then Darius obviously last year took a major step up in his volume three-point shooting and we saw the benefits of what that did for that Cavs offense last year do you do you feel like Sexton just doesn't feel like it's part of like his toolbox to be a volume shooter or do you think he just wants to like kind of stay where he's comfortable I I think it's a little bit of both probably i think there is a comfort factor i mean i'm like i've looked up like his cleaning the glass stuff real quick as we're talking because i wanted to see it's one of the refresh like those numbers so every year of his career he's been like above average and in shots at the rim and then like his best season that third year um he was 80 83rd percentile of of combo guards at the rim so he's taking like a ton of shots at the rim last year he was at 41 percent, which is also a lot of shots at the rim and would have been a career high 26% of his shots are from three. He takes a lot of mid-range shots as well. So mm-hmm. there's just like this. I think he likes to get downhill. I think he likes that pull-up. I think he likes trying to get to the rim. And like, But it's also like you're not getting the the foul drawing with him is pretty good too for the most part. You know, uh, like 
that's a legitimate skill and I can understand like him leaning into that. I just, I wonder if there's a way to like blend those two things and look, I think one of the intriguing parts of Rubio and like, obviously I think we saw the Rubio Garland stuff really thrive last year, but it's like, I think Rubio and Sexton can make a lot of sense because Rubio can help manage some of the playmaking stuff, help manage some of the game management stuff. I think Evan Mobley could help with that too, right? Like Evan Mobley's upside is, is a lot of creation. It's a lot of taking some of that off of Colin's plate. And if Colin can provide you some of that juice in that other way that you need and provide a speed element, I don't think a single other Cav really has. I, you can like this is how I keep talking myself into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, like they they have a Baji and Okoro and like they can cobble together wing stuff. It's just like there's a template of a guy here who is like good, and I I I tend to think he's like almost like slightly underrated at this point. Like I really do I, think Colin yeah. might be like just very slightly underrated for what he actually is. Even if he what he is is kind of niche, and there's growth to be had here. I think he might be underrated for how efficient and kind of powerful he is as a scorer. I think so too. I mean, I think you're rarely going to see that, uh, you know, where, where people talk about these things at, you know, where that'd be social media or otherwise people tend to lean on one end or the other. You rarely find some people, you know, in the middle in regards to that. Um, Cause the truth is um, in many people's eyes, he's underrated. And also in those same eyes, he could be a little bit overrated uh, to most of his avid fans. So um, I, I think a lot of these things, would have played out this season um, in regards to, you know, at the point that you pointed to in regards to Rubio possibly helping out in regards to playmaking, facilitating, um, taking some of those responsibilities off of him. Evan Mobley taking um, some of that responsibility off him. I think we would have saw some of these things play out, but unfortunately, you know, we only got a 10 and a half game sample size and what the hell do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, the thing that is also kind of interesting with Colin Sexton is he's one of those players that over his like years in the NBA, he starts the year off very slow, it mm-hmm. seems like, and then ramps up towards like the all-star break and then continues to go on a tear for like the rest of the season. So while I feel like just that 11 game sample size, there's it just did, none of it really worked in his benefit. Not only did he have to adapt to a new role, he also, like I said, is just one of those players. You kind of just have to wind up and get ready for uh, him to perform better month by month. So I just, I don't know. I, it's just, you could make a ton of, like Chris said, you can think of a dozen things for Colin Sexton to why those 11 games just, you can just throw your hands up. <laughs> what, what would the, what would the max number you'd be comfortable with with Colin be? Assuming you could, assuming you're not going to be, I also want to say this, assuming rightly, I think knowing the Cavs are not going to be a luxury tax team to pay Colin Sexton. They're just not. And like, so that gives them like 21. If they, if they dump Jetty, that gets them to about $21 million that they could, they could use on Colin or, or for that one roster spot to fill it. I feel like for me personally, it would have to be somewhere between like, 18 to 20 would okay. probably be where I'd want it to be mm-hmm. because like, I feel like at some point you have to do like a favor for the player as well. Cause you don't want just a sour guy in the locker room, but Colin, I don't think would be that guy. He lo- it seems like he really likes being around this team from what I read. The team likes having him around. So uh, overall, I feel like they are both we, are we factoring the year into the, into this too, because we know that that was like one of the offers, like the 20, the, the 20 mil a year at one point was on the table, but the, the year amount was the, was the issue, wasn't it? Yeah, I think, I think it's a little bit of that. And I also just think like, it seems like what has happened, um, 
is the Cavs are like using every bit of leverage they can to like squeeze this. <laughs> and like I can understand like I it's what I, you gotta do. It's like it, I get from it. A I don't, standpoint. I don't as I don't like it. Like it makes me uncomfortable, but it's like they could like look at Darius Garland's extension. They could have been like, We're gonna wait a year. We're gonna make you like show that you can do this for another year. We're gonna maximize our flexibility and not give you 193 million dollars up front like right now we're not gonna like they could have waited and you know what they did they just gave him the contract they just were like cool like we're happy about this and then the column thing is the exact opposite it is like they are squeezing like if if the if the stuff where it's like they're now offering like 12 to 15 if like that's where we're at with this that's that's such a squeeze from where he's at. They're taking. They're right. saying, "Go get an offer from Indiana. Go get one from San Antonio. Find us a sign and trade that we 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 will help you come." We have the leverage here. That's what it. That's <laughs> to me what it feels like, and that's like a very like. Whew, that's just that makes me like un, that makes me uncomfortable uh, on Colin's behalf. Yeah, yeah. From when a, I um, I was going to say from a personal standpoint, it just, you know, that's, that's where I'm at with it. But from business, that's what you need. You have to do. It's just smart business uh, from a managerial standpoint. For me, uh, I'm in that same range, um, 18 to 20, if all things considered, because I believe, like I said before, that's around what he was being offered. Um, I think he'll be a bargain by whatever deal he signs next. I think by the end of whatever deal he signs, whether that be the qualifying offer, which we hope not, um, for both his sake and for the Cavs, just to have him long term, and for him to have some financial stability in regards to you know possible future injuries, things of that nature, um, I think that he will be a bargain by the end of whatever deal he signs next. Just because I feel like people are really undervaluing what he brings to the table. I think, Chris, when you think about this Colin Sexton deal that could happen with the Cavs. Do you think if they sign him to like a longer term deal that they view it more as like retaining the asset of Colin Sexton to then move down the road? Or do you feel like it's more of a move that they view him as part of like their young team moving forward? I think it could be either. I think if he, they resign him and it's great next year, you just move forward with it and you, and you go with him. I think you could also decide like, this is a contract that we can then trade for something else. Like, Next summer will be a, to me like the next twelve months are going to be such an interesting stretch because Darius extension kicks in next summer. This would be year one of Colin, but that's kicking in, and Jared's still at twenty, but Evan's still in his rookie contract. Evan Mobley, not Evan Damrell. Um <laughs> Evan's making much, unfortunately for, for him and I, making much less money than Evan Mobley's going to be making in his rookie contract. But it's like by NBA standards, like a a, a very cheap, affordable contract. Mm-hmm. Next summer, Kevin Love comes off the books. And then also Karis Levert's contract runs out. I don't know if you're paying both Sexton and Levert. So, like, yeah. are you picking one? Are you, like, flipping one of them for something else? Are you? That's where I think this is heading for Levert, I, at least. I don't yeah. think he's going to be a long-term component. Would you do, like, Levert? Like, I was flipping around, like, looking at teams that maybe could, like, be moving stuff around. Or, like, part of the other thing that I think – I don't know this, but I wonder if – part of the reason the sex in the market is where it is and the eight market is where it is, is that like some of these teams that have cap space that well, the two teams with cap space, Indiana and San Antonio are like either don't love the guys, which is possible. Or they're saying we could all, we're, we're going to wait and see if we could like finagle something we like better as this Kevin Durant thing figures itself out. And teams need to like move stuff around. And like the Cavs do that to get Jared Allen. Can like, one of these teams like snag someone they like biggest winner of that trade, by the way, <laughs> Kobe Altman just privately just like 
you know, got that one right. Um, like, I, I wonder if there's some of that that's like squeezing this as well. And then if you're if you're the Cavs, it's like, is now a time where you're looking at, you know, either marketing or, or Levert and being like, we have this salary that we can flip somewhere. Is there like, you know, like, would you trade it for like Bojan Bogdanovich from Utah? If Utah is really rebuilding, like, would you flip Levert for him or try to? Would you call about like Joe Harris if if like they're trying to shit salary out of Brooklyn. Like I think you're looking at those kind of things with those contracts and Sexton could be one of those pieces. And I, I think it just depends on like how and when you want to cash that in. But I think also like at a certain, to a certain degree, at least if you are going to like sign him, do a deal. I think you also probably have to be comfortable with that deal. I, I think you can't, I think assuming that you can then just like recoup your value by signing him is a tricky thing. But I also like, I don't think they're. I don't think what they have is good enough where they could like lose him for nothing or like trade him for like just stuff, right? Like the Dallas thing, for instance. Like none of the stuff Dallas could give you realistically or would want to give you doesn't really do it for me. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have good picks. Like the role players are good, but it's like is that really <laughs> moving the needle for you? It's it's not in the way that Colin might or you should be aiming for him to at least. Yeah, yeah, I think I don't get about people who think that just I think a lot of people look at this last season for the Cavs without Colin Sexton and they think that the team just because they did well this season without him means that we don't need him necessarily They're at better all. Better off without him. Didn't you know that, Corey? Oh, uh, I you know, I have heard that from a few people, but <laughs> uh I also just I think people forget that the reason the Cavs didn't make the playoffs in general is because they didn't have anyone who could reliably score outside of Darius Garland and Jared Allen basically being out for like the last part of the season, then playing with a broken hand. But overall, like Colin Sexton would have helped us so immensely in both the Nets and the Hawks series, just being someone else that Darius could kind of like lean on when stretches were they were just because all defense is really to do in the postseason or the playing games was just focus on Darius and let the rest of the Cavs kind of squirm and hope for the best from scoring. I mean, Laurie Markinen performed well in the Hawks game, but outside of Darius and Lowry, you can't really look at anyone else. So Colin would be a huge plus. And unless you're going to get someone in a restricted free agency trade, that's going to at least replicate the bucket getter that we're looking for. And Karis LeVert to me doesn't really fit that bill because I feel like he is either hot or extremely cold as a shooter. Then I don't really necessarily want to even entertain the sign in trades. Yeah. I mean, you needed somebody to go out there and get you a bucket. Colin uh, is among that bunch is the best that the caps have to offer outside of, of Darius Garland at this point in time, Karis LeVert, um, it was a fine addition for what he was, you know, for what they were able to acquire him for. Um, and obviously the pieces that they acquired for him, the biggest one, Rubio, was back in town, which is great. Uh, but I think the need for Karis at this point, uh, past this season becomes less and less of an, a, you know, an important role. So I do think you need to be evaluating those options. Same can be said for Lowry. I think when they made the trade, that Larry Nash trade there, I don't think they made that trade thinking, hey, Lowry marketing is going is an, is a vital piece to what we have going on here. Although the the big three lineup, three seven footers, uh, proved a lot of people wrong, including myself uh, this season. I don't think they made the the extension with him. Um, thinking, hey, we can't move this guy in the future. I think they need to be looking at all these pieces here, thinking, hey, maybe if we can jump on the right deal, we can consolidate somewhere, we do that. Yeah, I, I also think if you look at how this is maybe the most boring thing I've, I I keep talking about, but like it, if you look at the sheet, the contract sheets, um, the Kobe Altman builds stuff into contracts that he can then trade. Mm-hmm. 
Lowry Markkinen's last year is not guaranteed. Ricky Rubio's last year is not is is right. Markkinen's last year is partially guaranteed. Rubio's last year is partially guaranteed. Jetty Osmond is function expiring contract. <laughs> There's like that. That's that's on purpose. Like that. Mm-hmm. That, that Speaking is. Speaking of Jetty, um, do you think that Jetty and Windler, um, by the start of the twenty two twenty three season, do you still think they'll be holding roster spots? I think one of them is probably gone. I would guess probably Jetty would be my guess. Just I think like if you're trying to maximize your space under the the tax and give yourself the, maybe the most money possible to like sign sex in or like match an offer sheet that comes, that's the one you do. Um, it's like $3 million of difference. Um, I think keeping one of them makes some sense from like a flexibility perspective just to like maybe add onto a trade you want to make later. Like when there's at 4 million and like, so if you add him to like marketing, you get about 20, like there's that, that's at least like a workable number. And like also just like a depth from a depth perspective. Like I know they have RJ Nemhard. Um, on a two-way as a wing, but I think, like, they would like to get him some more G League time this upcoming season because he, like, just basically only pl- was on the Cavs roster because of the COVID stuff and injury stuff last year. They think could use just, like, that one wing on the back end to just provide some depth. Um, but, I mean, like, do I think, like, they're, like, essential to the roster? Probably not, but I think one – I think one – just if they're going to look, if they're going to bring back Sexton, they have 15 full roster spots right now. They have to move someone on, and those are the two guys – that you would do because like if you're like Dean Wade or Lamar, you could Lamar Stevens, you could move on from and like their contracts aren't guaranteed. Those guys are like actual depth that I think JB Bickerstaff likes. I don't think he's mm-hmm. like sign me up for more Jetty Osmond. <laughs> we you saw know? that like, play the, out towards the end of last season. Yeah. And it's like, I don't like Windler, like just cause of injuries and just bad luck, like has not looked, he's not played well. Like that's just mm-hmm. where we're at. That's where it's at with him. So I, I think like one of those guys seems like if, I like I think part of the reason like the, maybe the Rubio thing hasn't happened is that like they're maybe trying to do a sign and trade, send Jetty or Windler that way, clear the roster spot, and then you have the Sexton situation that you can take advantage of. But like that, I mean, because today they could have announced all these things, and did the Cavs announce a single one? No, they did not. No. And I <laughs> is this what Wendy did? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shots to Wendy, a king. That be legendary now. But he yeah. brought twi- NBA Twitter together. The only person who's ever made Twitter like a happy place is Brian Windhorst memes. Unbelievable. <laughs> when you um think about the restricted free agency, if you have to for like sign in trades, yeah. is there any team in particular that you think is realistic that would entice you for a sign in trade? Ooh, if I could pick anyone, I'd be like, well, the Clippers pre John Wall would have been like Luke Kennard and like a wing. Um, I think what you'd be doing it for the Cavs is you're saying like can can we like send this guy to you in like a way that like you get us something back? But I off the top of my head like he would like it's like funny because it's like I think that Colin would fit really well with Luca in theory, but it's like mm-hmm. that doesn't the Cavs have like no reason. God, I, I don't want to see that. I've never wanted to see anything like that. <laughs> the 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 Colin Luca return game where Luca gets the big Sylvania plop would be incredible. Um, <laughs> I guess if I could pick one, it would actually be like Keldon Johnson from San Antonio. Just give mm-hmm. me him straight up back for, for Colin. It's yeah, fine. I would do it. I would do like he feels a need. Like it's like slightly painful, but like Keldon Johnson would make a lot of sense with what this Cavs roster is and what it needs. Um, Very underrated. Yeah. Yeah. T- they, 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 there's a Team, team USA. USA. Yeah. The T. Yeah, knew exactly where I was going. It's the Team USA Kobe <laughs> Altman pipeline right there. Um, played with Darius Garland on the those pre Olympic games as well like so 
I don't know. I that that would be the one. If you could do one, it would be Kelvin Johnson because it's like the right age, the right skill set. Um, but like, why is San Antonio like? Yes, we will give up Kelvin Johnson. I, I, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They're like Josh Primo looks pretty good, so we'll just give up Kelvin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like some interesting pieces. We have yeah. Doug McDermott for another year. <laughs> He's a veteran presence. He'll <laughs> so hold it down. Buckets. Yeah. <laughs> When you think of those signs, like with uh, the Jetty and Windler, do you think that that's the only way we would get we would trade one or the other? That it has to be with that sign and trade with Indiana, or do you think there's some other outlet in which we could try to trade Jetty or Windler away for something else, I, like a sal- like a pick or something? Yeah, I think you absolutely could um, dump one of them somewhere else. I think it's possible. The sign and trade is just the easiest. Yeah, it's just like the the cleanest one, the least amount of moves. Um, like maybe like you can maybe you don't have to like attach a pick to it or something like in theory like I think that would be the hope if you're the Cavs you're like we're giving you a, a roster we're we're giving you like a, a player that's not let's like at least like can be in this league right like and we're you're helping us but we're helping you in the same way like because I, I don't I don't think they want to like give up an asset to do this nor should they mm-hmm. like this is six million dollars for Jetty it's four million six point seven for Jetty or not seven it's like seven point something this year. Uh, four for Windler. Like you're not giving up like a real asset to move on from from that money. So I think you're just hoping it can be the sign and trade, and then it's like like a fake second, like top fifty six protect protected second round pick. Something that like you'll will never like it doesn't matter. Like, you just say yeah, yeah. He gave you a pick. It's cool. You win the PR press release. That's fine. Yeah, it just sounds nice. Um, yeah, what would it, be your way too early uh, rotation right now, given the current roster? Garland. I think you run it back, right? It's Garland. The two you could convince me of five different things. So I'm just going to say. Is Agbaji there? It could be Abaji. It could be Okoro. It could be Sexton. It could be Levert. Like, you have four options right there. You could convince me of any of them. Um, probably marking into the three. They didn't, like, science. Like, they didn't get. Like, if they got, like, Kelton Johnson tomorrow, I'd be like, that guy could supplant Larry Markkinen. Mm-hmm. Right. But like also like marketing and love both having to come off the bench is like a complicated thing to manage from a yeah. rotation perspective. Yeah. Um, so I would get, I would guess it's like Garland plus pick who you want, like pick who you like believe in. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, marketing Mobley and Allen. I think it's like just the two is the one I, uh, you could convince me of. Karis Lover could look great. Right. Be like, yeah, ball handling. Sure. Cool. Uh, Abaji could like look great and you could be like, yes, yeah, shooting a defense. We're going to throw him to this role right away. Okoro could come out and like look really good. Like you could be like, ah, yeah, shooting went up last year. It's continued to look better. His d- defense is established, all that stuff. Sexton could come in and it's like, we're just going to, we're, we're going to just roll with this and we're going to go dynamic as possible with the ball handling. Like, you could convince me of like any of those things. And I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. What uh? What percentage of you, Chris? Think I know because uh, in the Fear of the Sword group chat, Chris always his number one comment I always see is uh, Isaac Okoro cutting. <laughs> what percentage <laughs> do you think he picks up on your lust for his cutting ability? You know, so I asked him. Lust. I asked. I look. I asked him about this once, and he just like I was like on a Zoom, so it was like already kind of awkward, and he just like looked at me like, "What do you? What are you asking me about this?" And I was just like, "Look, man, I just like really, I just want to talk about cutting from the corner. Can we just like please just like how do you do it?" And he's just like, uh, "I make eye contact and." Uh, uh, read the defense and he was just like moved on he was just like i'm done with this i don't want to talk about this you're like but, but like, can we spend an hour on that i like i mean look that's what i would do. I, I don't don't tempt me with a good time just asking about cutting. like i like 
All-Star Weekend. Um, I was standing next to Shots to Carter and Justin from the Chase Town. I'm standing with talking to them. And, like, they showed a video of Jared Allen and Isaac Okora, like, playing a game. And the thing was, they were, like, quizzing each other and trying to get each other to answer questions. And Jared goes, what is the thing coach tells you to do more of to Isaac? And it was cutting. And, I, and Carter and Justin are just, like, shaking me. It's like, see? See? It's not. It's not. And I'm just like, it's not just. It's not GB. It's, and I'm just like, I am seen. On the, I'm, like, just exposed at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, but Okoro cutting and then, like. Oh my god! If I even if he just like that's like the thing with Sexton too. Though. I just like want some. I want, I, I'm I'm fascinated to see what the offense looks like next year. This is just getting me yeah. like I'm like not quite ready to like have to watch games again yet. Like I need like another just mm-hmm. like month of like like not. You gonna watch summer league? Oh yeah, I'm gonna inhale that. And it, like Kenneth, yeah. have you guys watched Kenneth Lofton? It's incredible. Oh, mm-hmm. taking advantage of Chet earlier. Yeah, just my my. <laughs> My uh, large, my thick, large king, Kenneth Lofton, <laughs> makes David Roddy look small. And David Roddy is also like a, a huge human player. I love beefy yeah. boy. Oh, David Roddy camp. Let's go. Meatball, yep. as you called him. Isn't that what it was? Yeah. You, yeah. you called him like a turkey. <laughs> I love David Roddy so much. Um, he's my spirit animal. He's just like the weirdest, like huge human being that like shouldn't move the way he does. And I'm just like, yes, yes. I love those like freak athletes. Not even in the sense that like they are a freak athlete from just like, physicality standpoint but they just they don't make sense to their body yeah. to athletic ability no it like it doesn't no. track and like lofton's like that same way he's just like just this weird <laughs> big human being right? and it's just like yeah but um i i just the offense is going to be like i have no idea like you could like abaji makes so much sense but it's like what is he is this is the spacing just going to dial it up do they make a trade to bring him more i i just want to know that's where the evolution seems like it would have to happen and sex sex would help that i would think right like you would think that sexton mm-hmm. would help push that in a certain direction so i don't know i'm fascinated by that we shall see and with that being said as we always tell you guys if you like to be added to the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you can you know what to do leave a rating leave a review send screenshot of said review to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and we will personally invite you if you are viewing this on youtube i don't think we streamed it on twitter this time uh we typically do but go ahead and smash that like button and subscribe while you're there Please. Way too many, <laughs> way too many of you guys not subscribing out there. Yeah, paying subscribe. attention to the Escavalier podcast. Subscribe, subscribe to them. You come on. What are you doing? Hit the bell, <laughs> yeah. notifications. What are you doing? Listen to Chris Manning. Yeah, if you don't also subscribe to, to uh, the Locked On pa- Podcast yes. for YouTube as yeah, well. Uh, I'm gonna extend the invite now. Would you like guys to come? I would like to invite you guys. We'll do a little home and home. Is that cool with you? Of course, that would Mac. Be awesome. Mac yeah. We, all, I, we well, yeah. We'll do a little home and home. You guys can help me bully Evan. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll referee. <laughs> Evan will just be like, mm. I'll be like <laughs> simmering. Core, I do right. like the, I, do like the, I do like the mustache. It's pretty good. Top oh. Gun. Top that, gun. Everyone says it. I have not okay. seen Top Gun. So <laughs> go see. To, also go see. Go see. Go see Top Gun. It's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Movie. Subscribe to the Top Gun YouTube channel while we're at it. <laughs> Do you, uh, the budget on that is much higher than the budget on on any <laughs> podcast that exists on YouTube. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. We're we're working with bits and scraps here, and that's a good way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs>